Hey everyone and welcome back to my channel. Today we are going to be talking about the sleep-wake cycle, our circadian rhythms, what influences that. And then we're going to delve into melatonin as a supplement to sleep, the positives and negatives and how we can utilize it and whether it's suitable for you. What is a circadian rhythm? Now, throughout the day, 24 hours, we have de increases or decreases in our level of alertness and our level of sleepiness. And essentially, this is governed by our light and dark cycle. For billions of years, we've evolved to adapt to when the sun is up, human species, that they feel more alert, they feel more primed to take action, whereas when it becomes dark, individuals uh, and human beings actually are more likely to go to sleep. And that's down to just evolutionary basis of the fact that we are visionary individuals, we're most likely to take action on things we can see, and we're just not evolved to see very well at night time. That's not taken in consideration night shift workers and things like that, but however, that's because our society and behavior can actually alter these circadian rhythms as well. So what are the main influences? I've just talked about one, light. So what generally happens as light goes into our eyes, goes into our retinas, there's ganglion cells at the back of our retinas that actually detect these sensors of light. Now these sensors and receptors send signals to our hypothalamus, pituitary glands, and we generate a hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is, you may have heard of it, when people are stressed, they have high levels of cortisol. And cortisol is increased to wake us up, to stimulate us, to start getting the neurons in our brain to fire faster, to increase our level of alertness, prime our muscles to take uh, contract, take action, so that we can become more alert and we can do our day-to-day -day actions. So that actually happens, but also the light itself, first thing in the morning when we wake up, it also sets off a timer. So in our body, in our, in our brain, a part of our brain called the supraclasmatic nuclei, which is a, it's basically our master clock. That then signals to smaller clocks throughout the body, which are governed by hormones, to trigger certain kind of activity in our body. Now, what this generally does is it increases our level of alertness and decreases our level of alertness every 90 minutes to two hours, just like it would with a sleep cycle. These are called eutranian cycles. And they, as I say, they happen every 90 minutes to two hours. Ideally, we want cortisol to increase and spike, uh, these pulsations of spike, may, maybe from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. This is when we're most likely going to be feeling our most alert, and that's probably when you want to be focusing on your largest amount or most significant or most valuable piece of work that you need to do for the day. So what actually causes the uh, cortisol to spike? Well, it's actually a change in your core body temperature. So the light influences, but also temperature in your body also influences these things. So roughly 90 minutes before you wake up, your core body temperature will be at its minimal. It will be at its lowest. That is then the start of your circadian rhythm. The temperature gradually starts to rise, and it's only slightly, but that rise in temperature also governs the action of the, or the HPA axis, the, the hypothalamus, the pituitary glands, to secrete cortisol via the adrenal glands just above the kidneys. 
So as that increases, we become more alert and we can actually improve that or actually improve the ability to increase our cortisol by things like cold showers, ensuring we do high-intensity high exercise or even having some coffee earlier in the morning. That's going to boost your cortisol levels to make you feel a bit more alert. Now, if you keep that consistent in your behaviors, because behavior is the third thing that actually then influences these cycles. Now, if you're an individual who goes to bed consistently, then these circadian rhythms are gonna be consistent in your body. So this is why it's important to have consistency in your sleep and your wake cycles. Now, when we get into the evening, cortisol level starts to come back down again, and as the sun sets, we then start to release something called melatonin. Now, melatonin is a uh, hormone, again, produced by the pineal gland. It's produced from another hormone called serotonin. You may have heard that as the happy hormone. And that has been broken down to a amino acid called 5-HTP. So 5-HTP can be increased by uh, diets, by our nutrients, by exercise and things like that, which then can help aid the production of serotonin and melatonin. But ideally, melatonin is from the dark. When the sun sets, we increase melatonin, and melatonin actually helps us initiate sleep, helps us get into a, sleep, a deep sleep phase. So again, in the, in the, in the brain, in the, in the neurons, you have chemicals, neurotransmitters between the, the synapses, which is where the brain connects together. And the chemical between there can either be stimulating or downregulating, making us feel more tired. So the chemical break makeup actually changes with the release of cortisol or melatonin to change our brain state to allow us to get into different um, levels of different states of consciousness, sleep, wake. But because sleep, at the very beginning of sleep, we get the deepest phase of our sleep, and that is where how, what melatonin actually helps us get into. But melatonin also is a hormone that is on that 24-hour clock going up and down, increasing, which is the opposite of cortisol. And you want those two to be working opposite to each other. Now, if they're not opposite to each other, then that can actually delay your sleep phases or it can actually change your sleep phases. So if we think about that light is going to govern our circadian rhythm, what's going to happen if at night time when we are meant to be in the dark or in the sunsets, what's going to actually happen if we start putting mobile phones in front of our eyes and start putting lights in front of our eyes, or we start to work night shifts and we tend to use artificial light to keep us awake? That is going to shift your circadian rhythm. It's going to slightly change your circadian rhythm. So if the ideal for health and performance, if you're an individual who wakes up at in the morning when the light rises, you want to ensure that you get up in the morning and you get light in your eyes. You want to ensure that you get natural sunlight in your eyes. Don't be staring at the sun, but making sure that you are actually getting outside, maybe having your breakfast or your coffee in the morning, sat outside for at least 10 to 20 minutes. Then at night time, you want to make sure that you're in following the sun. So when the sun sets, even actually watching the sunset, the spectrum of colors, the reds and the yellows and the oranges are very good for our eyes. That helps trigger that release of uh, melatonin. It helps calm our body as well. So we're more likely to get into a sleep state. So if we do this consistently, that, that internal um, state environment of our circadian rhythm is going to be ideal. Now, what happens if this isn't synchronized? then we get sleep phase disorder. And that means that our body is not within the phases it should be in that circadian rhythm. So if we get a sleep phase disorder, then we can start to use supplements or medications depending on the country you're in, such as melatonin, to help improve that. Now, I'm got the, the stuff that I'm going to talk about today is not a medical advice, and you should always talk to your doctor, but there are consider considerations that you want to make. 
So if you're going to take melatonin and you're going to take it, number one, you want to get a, a, a good supplement, one that's actually known to be a proper brand that's checked what's in there because we know from the uh, from from essentially the evidence that uh, Dr. Matthew Walker writes about in his Why We Sleep is that over-the-counter melatonin can have anywhere between 0.5 grams up to 7 grams of melatonin, milligrams, sorry, when it should be 2 milligrams on the label. So there's a variety in terms of the quality that you're actually going to get. But if you're going to take melatonin, you've got to think that it's actually what it's trying to do is it's trying to change your circadian rhythm. So having your behaviors in place first is going to be crucial before you take melatonin. Now, most GPs, when someone goes to see them for poor sleep, they will just then go and give them a sleep tablet, which might be a lower form of a sedative, which helps people get low, like rid of anxiety and fall to sleep. It doesn't give them proper sleep. It gives them sedated sleep. But then other doctors might actually give them melatonin without really thinking about what behaviors they have in place. So let's break this down. If you were to take melatonin, but you're an individual who's not committed to a bedtime, you might then take melatonin one time at 8 p.m., to go to sleep at 9 p.m. And then you might take it at 10 p.m. to go to sleep at 11 p.m. And then you might take it at 11 p.m. to go to sleep at 1 a.m. So what's then going to happen to your circadian rhythm? Is it going to get entrained? Is it going to be continuous? Is it going to be ingrained into your, into your physiology? No, it's not. It's going to be all over the place. So that's actually going probably going to make your sleep-wake cycle worse or if anything not going to not going to change it and in fact that's what the evidence actually suggests there's not actually that strong literature on the benefits of melatonin for helping people to get to sleep and stay to sleep and that's probably because people's behaviors are not in the right place to begin with on the people on the individuals who have done the scientific studies or the scientific studies have tried to change their behavior within that time frame of the study which is not relatable to their their normal life the other consideration we have to take into into melatonin is actually possible long-term outcomes is that much of the evidence has not done long-term looking at looking at long-term spectrum of what melatonin does and if we look at what melatonin does in an individual in terms of um, teenagers and children they have higher levels of melatonin than adults do and this is also linked to because it delays the onset of puberty and delays the onset of menstrual cycles in both males and obviously in females with menstrual cycle so if you're a you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old who's struggling to sleep and then all of a sudden some go to the GP and they give you melatonin, there might be consideration you want to make there that the fact that the studies don't haven't looked at the long-term benefits or the long-term negatives of melatonin. So the consideration that you want to make in terms of actually ensuring that you're not suppressing things like testosterone growth hormones prolactins hormones that could actually help you develop and grow but also if you're a performance individual in the sporting area and you want high levels of testosterone we don't actually know the long-term benefits of taking melatonin and whether that suppresses uh, testosterone and this is something that andrew Huberman talks about he says it's his own personal bias in terms of that he probably wouldn't take melatonin in terms of a performance uh, perspective but it's also backed by the evidence as well because there's no long-term literature on it so we can't say for sure whether it's healthy or whether it's unhealthy so these are some of the considerations that you would want to make but there are times where in the short term melatonin may help so if you are an individual who does have an issue with their their sleep phase they find in that they want to go to bed at you know, nine o'clock ten o'clock in the in the evening but they're finding they can't get to sleep until midnight one and that's consistent they might have a sleep phase disorder and a doctor might then give them a short-term 30-day to 60-day dosage of maybe two milligrams of melatonin to take consistently with a consistent behavior to try and change that 
And I can give you an example of when I've used that. So when I moved from the UK over to Australia in 2016 to live, now the UK is places, people where they wake up late, they rush off to work because it's quite uh, cold and it's dark in the mornings, and then they will stay up quite late at night time, might get to bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Australia, on the other hand, it's nice, bright and sunny at night, 5, 30 in the morning, it's warm. And it's, you know, it's quite hot in the evenings, but the sunlight is there till maybe 7 p.m. So a lot of people will get up earlier in the morning. They might go surfing, might go have a bit of coffee or go to the gym before they go to work. And I felt and when I first got there, going to bed late and getting up late, I was just wasting a few hours of my day. So I decided that I wanted to change my sleep cycle. So I started taking melatonin at the same time every evening, roughly 8, 8 p.m. to 8.30, to allow myself to then be able to get to sleep when it kicks in, because melatonin, especially the ones from you get from doctors, are slow release, they're fast release and a slow release. They will uh, usually take in about 45 minutes to an hour beforehand. So if I wanted to get to sleep for 9 or 9.30, to get up for 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I did that for a month and was able to change that shift in my behavior, but also by being disciplined in terms of setting my alarm and getting up at the same time every morning and taking that melatonin and having a wind down routine in the evening so it's a it's a supplement or an injunction to your behavior change not just taking it just to get to your get get yourself to sleep there's no evidence to suggest really that melatonin or high quality evidence that melatonin can help when people are having things like insomnia but if it does help you then maybe in the short term it's something that might be beneficial because the placebo effect can actually help you and that might be able to get you out of that rut of not being able to get to sleep. So if the doctor's prescribed to you and it's helping, great. Think about the long-term um, uh, possibilities, maybe wean yourself off it, but great, it's doing a job for you. Other things you can use it for is maybe potentially when we are traveling. Now, when we travel west across the world, we actually are more likely to get jet lag. Jet lag is because we're shifting time zones, so our circadian clock has to shift, and it takes maybe two days for every uh, hour or so we travel west to actually change our biological clock. But we can speed that beforehand. So three or four days beforehand, you might start changing your sleep-wake cycle to the time period that you're actually flying to and using melatonin at the bedtime you might go to in the place that you're going to land. And this is a good way to start getting your body to shift and change its circadian rhythm beforehand so that you can then later on um, be more effective and try and avoid that jet lag so you're feeling better when you land and you can sleep better when you land. So that's another way that we can utilize melatonin. Um, but other than that, there's not really much more of a benefit of it of, to use it. Uh, I've used it, like I said, for my means. I wouldn't ever recommend melatonin unless I thought someone had a sleep phase disorder or they were trying to change their sleep-wake cycle. And I would also consider not using it in younger individuals, maybe more in older individuals and individuals who are not looking for performance changes or improvements, but looking for improvements in their um, health or their anxiety levels because they can't sleep and because of reasons that make sense then I would do. Um, and let's just delve into uh, you know, sleep, sleeping tablets in general. Sleeping tablets are a good short-term way to relax your body and get your arousal levels down. If you are not sleeping at all, you're highly stressed, but they are addictive they don't give you proper sleep they always allow you to get into a sedative state which allows you to get a bit more energy when you have things like such as high levels of anxiety causing insomnia but they do come at a cost of uh, having a you know an issues with related to psychological or physical dependency on those uh, more likely psychological and being able to break off that 
can make people feel anxious because of rebound effects of sedatives and things like that. So again, don't. I mean, this is not recommendation by a doctor. If your doctors are subscribing prescribe them for a reason go ahead and listen to them but these are considerations that you might want to make so thank you for joining in i'm going to try i've tried to pop some visuals up here so you can have a bit more of a uh a visual aspect to it if you enjoyed that or if you have any recommendations of how i can improve that and please let me know uh, i'd love to hear from you guys I'd love to hear from the comments drop them below I look forward to getting more content out to you soon